All right, well, good morning. How are we doing this morning? If the coffee line this morning is any, any indicator of how we're doing, we also have lost a little pep in our step. Um, I wasn't in the coffee line when it was all the way back to the ping pong tables this morning. I got there later than that, but uh, regardless of how tired we are, I hope that we're still excited to dive into God's word together this morning. I really appreciated all of your guys' help yesterday in helping us uh, just think through prayer, and I'm excited this morning to dive into another aspect of prayer. Uh, one of my hopes for talking about prayer this week and encouraging prayer is to, of course, deepen our appreciation for prayer. I want you to expand your understanding of even what prayer is, uh, but I also hope that as a result of our time together this week looking at these, this idea of prayer is that you would either develop or enhance your current patterns of prayer in your life. Uh, I know for my wife and I, we first started coming to family camp, I don't know, was that three years ago? Three years ago? And uh, just that morning Bible time that you have together as a family, it was really helpful for us as a family to start having a more consistent time together in God's Word. At that time, we had basically, we had two kids, three, okay, one of them was a baby. I'm, I'm a dad, so I don't remember, I don't remember these things. She was, she was praying with our fourth, but our kids were really small still, and so their capacity for doing much of that stuff was not very high, but we started even though they couldn't do very much, and I'm really thankful for that, and so I, I hope that our time here talking about prayer uh, will enable you guys to, to start considering how can we incorporate prayer more into our daily living, um, and so we're going to talk about that on Thursday a little bit more, but one of the things that we talked about yesterday were some of the excuses why we don't pray. Okay, and we had lots of excuses, didn't we? One of the things that I hear often, and one of the things that you guys even brought up as we talked yesterday, was one of the most difficult things for people to wrestle with is why God doesn't answer prayer. Uh, it never surprises me when I talk to somebody and I ask them, do you pray? How much do you pray? And if they say no, there's a pretty high chance that what follows will be something along the lines of, well, I prayed for something and God just doesn't seem to answer my prayers. And so I, I lose hope. I lose, I just ask myself, what's the point of praying if God's not going to answer my prayers anyway. And if you guys are like me, you've already looked ahead in the notes, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow. So that's not what today's talk is about, but what I, what I want to challenge them with in that moment is just this idea that if prayer to you is only asking God for things, then you really are missing out on so many of the blessings and so many of the graces that God gives to us through the action of prayer. If you treat prayer like God is just a 
genie in a lamp that you get to rub once a day and he's gonna give you your three wishes, then you, you really are missing the mark in a lot of ways as far as what the Bible teaches us about just all the blessings of prayer. And so this morning, the, you can see in your notes, the title is How to Maximize Prayer. This is not a session about how to get God to answer all your prayer requests when you want and how you want. Rather, this is fighting against our tendency to minimize prayer to just simply asking God for the things that we want. And we'll see later this morning that that is a part of prayer. We, we don't want to neglect asking God for things. He tells us to ask him for things, but we want prayer to be more than just asking. And so we have a couple things to consider this morning that will help us to maximize our prayer rather than minimizing our prayer. And the first thing that I would encourage you to do is to pray diversely. When you think of prayer, what are some of the prayers in the Bible that come to your mind? This is your guys' chance to interact a little bit. There's a lot of prayers in God's word. When you think of prayer in, God, in God's word, what are some of the prayers that come to your mind? The Lord's Prayer. Okay, which one? The one that I talked about or the one that Patrick Odell talked about? Okay, there's, there's two of them in the New Testament. One's, as he mentioned, that is, is more of the disciples' prayer. And then we have the Lord's Prayer. And consider also, what's the, what's the content of those prayers? How much in those prayers is Jesus encouraging his disciples or is Jesus himself asking God for physical blessings? Answer, zero. What other prayers can you think of that are in God's word? Paul praying for opportunity Absolutely. Paul praying for opportunities of evangelism and boldness. Yeah. Nehemiah's prayer. What did Nehemiah pray? Short and sweet. Cry out to God. I need you. Right? Jehoshaphat. What did Jehoshaphat pray for? Yeah. We don't. Absolutely. Good. All the way in the back. Jesus' prayer for Peter. Okay, very good. What else do we got? Solomon's dedication of the temple. A lot of thanksgiving, a lot of praise, a lot of reflection there for sure. Absolutely. What else? Yeah. Paul's prayer reading in Colossians for the Colossian church and the Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Jared was telling me at Soteria, they're doing a sermon series right now on all of the prayers of Paul in the New Testament. That would be a really fun study to go through. Yeah, those, those prayers are, are good. I think if, yeah, we'll touch on that here in a second, actually. Yeah. Hannah's prayer for a child, absolutely. That, that's a, a really well-known one. And uh, we have actually two prayers of Hannah. If you actually go to 1 Samuel, and, and, or is it 1 or 2 Samuel? I can't remember. Um, but what, what you see is there's one chapter 
where Hannah is actually fasting and praying and grieving. And she's going to the Lord and with all of her sorrow, with all of her desires. And then there's another prayer of exaltation of the Lord and thanksgiving and praise. And uh, that one really highlights the sovereignty of God. Can you think of any other prayers? Yeah, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There are so many prayers. Depending on how you define prayer, if you maybe think of prayer as simply talking to God or expressing things to God, there's between five and 600 different specific times that people do that in the Bible. And as you start, the more you start thinking about all of these different times that people are going to the Lord with their prayers, what you start realizing is that the prayers in the Bible, there, there are quite a few where people are asking God for specific things. They have specific requests where they're asking God to do this, but there's also a lot where they're asking for strength. They're asking for guidance. They're expressing grief. They're seeking protection from evil. They're repenting and confessing. They're uh, praying for the ability to meet the needs of others, overcoming temptation. There's prayers of praise, confession, thanksgiving, intercession, guidance, forgiveness. uh, There's so many different things that fill the content of the prayers in God's word. And so the, the first thing I would just encourage you guys to do as you think about prayer is to just examine what are your prayers primarily filled with? Are your prayers primarily filled with physical requests? Pray that my ankle gets better. Pray that my throat stops hurting. It's not not wrong for us to pray those things, right? It absolutely is not wrong. In fact, 3 John 2 says, I pray that it may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. And so there, we even have an example of kind of a, a more vague prayer about health and just overall well-being. It's not bad for us to pray like that, but even if you go on and look at the context of that, that's in the context of walking in the truth. And so there's a spiritual depth to even that prayer is connected with it. And so it's not wrong for us to ask for health or healing, but don't limit your prayers to that. Try your best to pray diversely. What's one of the ways that we try to encourage ourselves to pray diversely? Point number two is to pray intentionally. If we're going to pray diversely, we have to do something in order to help us to do that. We have to be intentional about it. How many of you have heard of the ACTS acronym? Can I see some hands? Okay, we have at least half of you are familiar with the acronym for ACTS. I want to talk about this just briefly, and then at the end of our time this morning, we're actually going to do this together. So hopefully that will be an encouragement to those of you who have not, uh, who have not done that before. But Uh, Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and special requests. Once again, our prayer is not limited to even these four categories, but this acronym is a helpful one 
that can help us to pray more diversely. So the first one is adoration. Who's somebody that you adore? No, nobody wants to answer. My spouse, yeah, that's the right answer. You adore your spouse. Do we adore anybody else? Jesus, okay. Jesus, Juke. Any, anybody else? Our children. I have my parents here with us this morning. Is it safe to say, do you guys adore my kids? Yes, grandkids. How many grandparents do we have in the house? Do you adore your grandchildren? What do you do when you're away from your grandkids? Party? Party? (laughs) You sleep? (laughs) You look at their pictures ever? Why do we look at pictures of people that we adore and love? Because when we look at pictures, we're reminded of who they are. Now that I have a confession to make, whenever I'm away from my wife, this might be a little weird, but whenever I'm away from my wife, and it doesn't happen very often, honestly. Men's retreat, uh, a few times a year, I leave her to go do men's events. And when I'm away from my wife, one of the things that I find myself doing is stalking her Facebook page. I go and I scroll through all of her profile pictures. And yeah, it's it's maybe a little creepy, I don't know. She said yes, really creepy. But when I miss my wife, I adore her, I miss her, I want to look at those pictures and what those pictures remind me of, those pictures are filled with pictures of me and her. They're full of a lot of pictures of her loving our children well. So when I look at pictures of my wife, when I adore her in that way, I'm reminded of her characteristics, the things that make her who she is. And so when we think of adoring God, when we think of adoration as a part of our prayer lives, that's an opportunity for us to look at who our God is, to to praise him for who he is. It's this deep love and respect for somebody based on their attributes. Psalm 145 says, I will extol my King and my God. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. That's a psalm of adoration. When do we ever take time to adore God? I think one of the most frequent times that we actually do that is through singing. I'm thankful for singing because I wonder if we didn't sing, would we ever actually adore him? Would we ever actually take the time to praise God for who he is? That can be a super helpful aspect of prayer. The next one is confession. When we rightly look at God and his glory, his holiness, his perfection and all of his attributes, we can't help but to then reflect on ourselves and our own unworthiness and our own unrighteousness. And so we need to confess that. We need to admit that 
our sin. We need to see our sin like God sees our sin. I'd ask you this morning, when's the last time that you confessed sin? When's the last time you came to the end of your day and you named the sins of that day and confessed them to the Lord? I would encourage you even to go one step further than that instead of waiting until the end of the day because you're going to forget how sinful you were that day. Do it as the day is going. This idea of pray without ceasing, constantly be confessing. We need to confess to God and confess to others. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I think confession is, I know in my life, that, that's of these four things, that's probably the one I, I need to do better at. I need to consider my sin and bring it to the Lord. Listen to the words of David in Psalm 32. Listen to the effect that sin and especially unconfessed sin can actually have in our lives. In Psalm 32, David says, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality failed as with the dry heat of summer. Have you ever felt like that? He goes on and says, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not hide my guilt and I said, I will confess my wrongdoing to the Lord and you forgive the guilt of my sin. You know, sometimes I think we try to foolishly hide our sin from God. I shared a meme on my Facebook page the other day of a guy trying to hide behind an electric pole. And it's, it's kind of like me trying to hide behind this music stand, right? Not, you can't see my sin. No, it's pretty obvious. Just the other day, my wife was at home with uh, our daughter, Nora, and she was eating a pineapple on the counter. And I don't know, I don't know what was going on in her mind, but my wife was in the kitchen and uh, my wife was like, hey, Nora, what are you doing? And she turns around, she says, nothing. So my wife says, Nora, did you eat the pineapple? And dead serious, she turns around, no. Wasn't me. Well, Nora, who ate the pineapple? And just without skipping a beat, serious as a heart attack, she says, Leo did it. <laughs> no, I was looking right at you. I'm pretty sure you did it. Sometimes that's how we treat our own sin. We, we, we want to act like it's not there. It's so, God already knows. Sometimes we don't want to confess to God. We're, we're afraid maybe of his wrath or whatever it might be. Maybe we're embarrassed to take our sin to God. He already knows. He's already shown you that he loves you tremendously by sending his son to die on the cross for that sin. So let's confess it. 
Let's allow confession to be part of our prayers. The next is thanksgiving. First Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16, says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you wonder what the will of God is for your life? Well, one thing that you can know for sure is the will of God for your life is to give thanks in all things. Give thanks in all things. Philippians chapter four is another good example of this. Philippians four, verse four through six, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I think thanksgiving is another one of those really underappreciated aspects that should be included in our prayers. Adoration is thanking God and praising God for who he is. Thanksgiving, on the other hand, is thanking God and praising God for what he's done. We need to do that. I'd encourage you to turn, turn in your Bibles real quick to Ephesians chapter 5, just to show you the power that there can be in giving thanksgiving. We talked about being imitators of Jesus this morning in our family devotion time. Ephesians 5 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 3, But sexual immorality, all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. So we have a list of some pretty serious sins here. There's a lot of ways, a lot of methods, a lot of processes that we may think we need to go through in order to deal with our sin. I remember the first time I read this and realized this, it kind of blew my mind. Of all the things Paul could have said to help us fight against these sinful tendencies, he says, instead, let there be thanksgiving. If we can think about how much we have to be thankful for, how much Christ has accomplished in our lives already, how much he has already poured, lavished his grace upon us, maybe we'll be a little bit slower to look for joy and satisfaction and other, other things that the world can offer, just like Patrick Oldle was talking about last night. Thankfulness can be such a powerful part of prayer. The last part of this acronym is supplication or special requests. These are our petitions. They can be circumstantial. They could be physical. They can be emotional. They can be spiritual. We don't need to feel guilty for asking God to do things or for asking God to give us things. 
It's part of prayer, but we don't want to minimize our prayer to that. Just remember, God wants and does give you good things. We talked about James 1.17. Matthew 6.11, in fact, says, If you, being evil, know how to good give good gifts to your children, how much more will God give you good things to those who ask him? This is just one acrostic. Once again, you don't have to minimize your prayers to that, but if you're stuck on just praying for God, will you please heal this or change this circumstance in my life, and you, you want to expand your understanding of prayer, this is a good place to start. Every time you pray, start with adoration. Just praise God for who he is. Go into confession. Name your sins specifically. Admit them. View your sin like God does. Thank him for what he's done, what he is doing, and what he will do. And then ask for these special requests. The third way that I would encourage you to maximize prayer is to pray the Bible. Sometimes we don't know what words to use. Sometimes it's just hard to pray. That's one reason I'm thankful for the Psalms. They give words to lots of our feelings and our emotions. If you don't know what to pray, just go and read the Psalms until you find one that you can pray yourself. Donald Whitney wrote a book. I, I don't even remember what the title is, Praying the Bible. Is it Praying the Bible? Such a good, short, helpful book that will help you to pray the Bible. Obviously, some passages are going to be easier to pray than others. I think in that book, he focuses a lot on the Psalms and then also the prayers of Paul in the New Testament. Those are, if you don't know where to start reading or praying the Bible, go there. Read a passage and then just pray it to God. I'll give you just one example of this. Uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 14 through 21. I hope you guys pray for your churches. I hope you pray that God would be working in and among them. You know, sometimes I think our prayers, and we'll talk about this maybe tomorrow too, but sometimes I think our prayers are so vague. It's like, how, how is God supposed to answer that? Lord, be with my church. Okay, done. He's already there. He's with them. What do you expect him to do? What if instead our prayers for our church looked like this in Ephesians 3, 14? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. What if instead of saying, Lord, be with my church, what if we just prayed that every day instead? Pray the Bible. 
I'd encourage you to pray freely. I'm not going to take a lot of time on this one, but this morning I've tried to show you that there's lots of different things that can be included in your prayer life. And what I don't want for you to happen this morning is is for you to think, okay, if I'm going to pray the right way, or if I'm going to pray better, if I'm going to pray biblically, then I have to include this whole entire big long list of things that Pastor Tyler has been talking about this morning. Otherwise, I'm missing the mark. That's not the point. As we look through the Bible, people pray different things depending on what their circumstances are. And I just want you to know that's okay. You don't have to go through a big, long checklist. You don't have to say certain words in a certain way. God just wants you to talk to him. Go to him in prayer. One quote from Paul E. Miller from his book, A Praying Life, Connected with God in a Distracted World. He says, prayers mirror the gospel. In the gospel, the Father takes us as we are because of Jesus and gives us his gift of salvation. In prayer, the Father receives us as we are because of Jesus and gives us the gift of help. We look at the inadequacy of our praying and sometimes we give up, thinking something's wrong with us, but God looks at the adequacy of his son and delights in our sloppy, meandering prayers. The power of your prayer does not rest upon your words. It rests upon the one that you're praying to. So pray freely. Don't get so caught up and just pray. And then finally, pray boldly. Pray boldly to maximize prayer. I'd ask you the question this morning, if God actually answered your prayers, what would change? If God actually answered your prayers, what would change? How many souls would be saved? How would the culture in your church transform? How would your community change? Or would you just be healthy, happy, and have a big bank account? Why don't we ask God for more? Are we afraid he'll actually grow our church? But I like my small church. It's got a good family vibe. I don't want us to grow to 200, then I won't know everybody. How selfish of you that you would say, I'd rather have a comfortable, small church church rather than see other people join the family of God? Do we limit our prayers because we actually don't want to see God work? Pray boldly.